0: Welcome
1: to Lakeland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Uh, would you welcome everyone who's joining us online right now? Yep. Awesome. So glad. We're all together as one big family, no matter where we're tuning in from. Uh, Hey, just one quick thing before we get into the message. Uh, We have Church in the Park coming up uh, July the 4th in Lake Geneva. We're really, really excited about it. It is going to be a party in the park, and we want you to be a part of it. If you're joining us online, we're going to be going live from the park, so that won't interrupt your schedule at all. But something really cool that we're doing this year is that we're doing baptisms in the park. Uh, which is so, so cool. We love the way uh, we just celebrate baptisms around here and we throw a big party just like heaven would. We already have 25 people signed up to be baptized, which is a huge thing, and we are ready for more. And so uh, if you would like to be baptized, if you have made a decision to follow Jesus, but you have not been baptized yet, we encourage you to take that step. And you can do that by stopping at Next Steps on your way out. You can also hit the QR code that's right on the back of your chair. If you're joining us online, just drop baptism in the chat. We want to help you be baptized wherever you're tuning in from. If you are calling Lakeland home, uh, we are for you, and we want to celebrate with you and set you up for that. Uh, So be sure that you drop that in the chat. We are excited about Church in the Park. Well, dads, uh, if today just feels like any other day, uh, if you're really wondering uh, what today is really all about, or who today is for? I just came up with a quick test to help you out. Like that, if these things were true about you, you just might be a dad. You ready for this, guys? You might want to get like your ribs ready for like the elbows that might come your way. Uh, here we go. If you convince your whole family to watch your favorite sports team, and you end up falling asleep on the couch. You just might be a dad. Uh, If you know where to find the best gas prices in other states, that's so weird. You just might be a dad. If your neighbors are concerned about your health because of how loud you sneeze, you just might be a dad. Dads, I'm with you on this one. Like your body's trying to get rid of something. I don't know if it's too soon to be talking about this, but when your body's trying to get rid of something, let it rip. That's what I say. Just let it rip. Cover it up, but let it rip. I don't pinch it off. I don't like, no, I just go for it. So um, dads, it's okay. Stay with me on that one. Um, If you text in all caps, you're a dad. Uh, You're a dad. If you don't know what I just said, you're a dad. Uh, I promise that. Um, If you're convinced that the only way to eat candy or peanuts is to like spin them in your hand a little bit before you pop them into your mouth. That is such a dad move. Like, my dad still does that. I tried it a couple times. I don't really get it. Like, are you trying to keep the candy from sticking to each other? Are you trying to make sure the salt comes off? I don't get it. After the service, dads, if any one of you knows what this is all about, that would be a breakthrough for me this morning. So catch me uh, after service. If uh, you back into parking spots, even when you don't have to, you just might be a dad uh i'm guilty of this next one here we go uh if you're suddenly feeling extra cool because your kids have friends over (laughs) you just might be a dad i don't know what it is like when my kids have friends over i get a case of the what's ups like i'll just walk in the room what's up what's up how's it going and my kids are like thanks dad that's that is great if you start all of your conversations about cars or the weather or your lawn mowing techniques, you just might be a dad. If you answer the phone by saying yellow, I don't really know what that is, but if you do it, you're a dad. Um, if you've ever argued or verbally assaulted your GPS, you just might be a dad. You know when it's like taking you a certain way, and I don't think it's, that's the way, this little gizmo doesn't know what he's doing. If you've done that you're a dad. Uh, Last one, if your favorite part of going out to eat, I'm sorry, if your favorite part of going out to eat is the mint bowl or the toothpick dispenser, (laughs) you're a dad. You're a dad. For some of you, those things are true about you, and you're not a dad. You're just in training, Uh, That's what's really cool about that. So just keep it up. Dads, well, today is your day. Uh, Happy Father's Day. We are excited to celebrate it with you. And I'm excited about what we're going to unpack together. We're going to unpack what biblical manhood is really all about. We did this on Mother's Day with biblical womanhood. Great message from Pastor Lisa. I encourage you to uh, jump back and watch that. But here's the question today. What does it mean to be a guy? And what does God have to say about that? Guys, I can't remember how old I was when I started asking this question, what does it mean to really be a guy? My poor mom, uh, there was a lot of testosterone in our house. So there were three boys and my dad. I'm convinced to, my, to this day that that's why all of our animals were female in the house, like just to even it out a little bit. I don't know what that was. But I can remember uh, asking this question, what does it mean to be a guy? Because I grew up with a lot of double dog dares and your shoes untied, and say uncle, and broken windows, and throwing rocks at beehives, which wasn't a problem as long as you were faster than the slowest brother, which I was. Uh, so that's really cool. Um, jumping ramps, bloody noses, and we call, them, we call them rat tails. So it's like when you take a towel and you like wind it up and you get the end just a little wet and you snap it at someone and it like takes their flesh off. That pretty much sums up My whole childhood right there, rat tails. And I thought to myself, is this all it means to be a guy? Surely there's more than this. And when I was eight years old, guys, I finally figured it out, that there was more to being a guy, and it looked like this. (laughs) Yep, yep. Guys, when you came to church this morning, you didn't see Hulk Hogan coming, did you? Nope. And that's how he works. He comes down the aisle, and no, okay. So this is what it meant to be a guy, right? Oiled up, mad at your enemies, and uh, doing elbow drops, calling everyone brother, and like all that kind of stuff. Like that's what it meant to be a guy. Uh, But as I walk this road a little bit, I come to find out that most of these guys, their private lives were a wreck, right? Um, And so that couldn't be it. But as I began chasing down even more answers, I thought to myself, I need to find someone who seemingly has it all together. And in junior high, I came up with a different answer. Yeah. Guys, when you are dribbling the ball down the basketball courts, these are the last set of eyes that you want to be seeing staring back at you, okay? Michael Jordan uh, was incredible. Growing up in Chicago, I thought every team had a Michael Jordan, like I really did. Come to find out, no, there was only one Michael Jordan. Before there was swag, there was Michael Jordan, okay? Uh, And it was so good. So what is manhood all about? Manhood's all about having your own shoe line. is all about uh, being famous worldwide. Being a man is all about last-minute shots, championship rings. That's what it was all about. But as you know how the story goes, in and out of retirement, uh, baseball, a Bulls team that skipped off the radar after 1998, there had to be more what it means to be a guy, something that was worth it, something that lasted. And in high school, I learned the story of a guy that maybe you've never heard of. Uh, his name was Dennis Bird. Dennis Bird was a defensive end for the New York Jets. Uh, he was a beast on the football field, and he lived out his faith in a powerful way. Little did he know that the greatest opportunity to live out his faith came in his fourth season with the Jets in a game against the Kansas City Chiefs. He was moving in to sack the quarterback, and he had the quarterback in his sights, and he threw his body forward in just the final moments, but something changed. The quarterback stepped forward. And the only thing Dennis describes next is a giant green wall that appeared in front of him, which was one of his teammates. And he went helmet first into the sternum of one of his teammates, turning his fifth vertebrae into dust. And he was carted off the field that day. And his medical team said, Dennis, you will never walk again. You'll never walk again. And Dennis looked back at his medical team and he said, by the power of Jesus, I'm gonna walk out of this hospital in one year, in one year. Well, Dennis didn't do it in one year. He did it in six months, six months. And I read the story of this guy, I watched his interview with Diane Sawyer over and over and over again as a high school student. I read his book, Rise and Walk, over and over again. And I thought to myself, Hulk Hogan and Michael Jordan have nothing on this guy, nothing, that what it meant to be a guy was living for Jesus and having faith no matter what. I can't tell you how powerful of a message that was as a 15-year-old guy trying to figure out who he was gonna be, but it was powerful in my life. And so today, I wanna run through just five trademarks of a kingdom man. To the oldest guy, to the youngest guy in the room and online, what does biblical manhood look like? Whether you had great examples growing up, whether you had bad examples or no example at all, who are you called to be? And ladies, don't tune out because you have influence to call up and encourage men in what we're talking about today. You might even be finding yourself in a dating season. Ladies, what should you be looking for? The Bible has something to say about that. Here's the first trademark, it's this. A kingdom man follows God. A kingdom man follows God. It might seem obvious or basic, but let's dig in a bit here. Here's what the prophet Micah has to say. He says... He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. The prophet Micah cuts straight to the chase. What is God asking for? Uh, God is asking for justice, kindness, and humility in all of our lives. That is what he requires. And if you had anybody that came up and said, yeah, 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 I believe in justice. I think kindness is a good thing. Humility, okay, I'm all for that. What would you say to him? Prove it. Prove it through your life that you are about these things. You see, we can't simply believe in God and stop short of living for God. That a man, a kingdom man who follows God, follows him all the way. And when we live for him, here's the character that comes about in our lives. Justice kindness, and humility. And guys, I'm with you. You could be sitting there thinking justice, kindness, and humility. That doesn't describe any man I know. You know, pride, sarcasm, check. We got that. Uh, But justice, kindness, and humility, I'm not sure I can find that. And it brings us to a really good point that when God writes the playbook on what it means to be a guy, it will be strong for sure. It will be courageous for sure but it will be strong and courageous in all the ways that our culture has never heard of before. Because when God writes the playbook, that is the truth that will come about in a man's life. Let me take it even further, that to be just, to be kind, to be humble, those aren't just countercultural. I believe they are the divine fulfillment of what it means to be a guy. And every guy in this room is saying, not there yet, right? But God's got grace for that, and he'll lead you one step at a time towards this reality in your life. When a man follows God, he becomes a kingdom man, a man after God's heart, a man after God's purposes, and it will be seen in his character. Men, hear this, your relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing that you bring to the table as a guy. It's the most important thing, that without it, everything else will fall short of God's best. Without it, you will be running on empty in more areas than you can count. That in a relationship with Jesus, you are forgiven of all your sin. You are made brand new in him, but there's more. You're able to tap into the Holy Spirit's power to be everything that God has called you to be as a guy. You're able to tap into the Holy Spirit's power to be everything your family needs you to be. You will be able to tap into the Holy Spirit's power to be everything that everyone else needs you to be. So first things first, surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And surrender is an interesting word. As I think about it, uh, surrender almost in every other situation actually means that you lose. In sports, in war, if you surrender, you lose. But Jesus flips the script on that, that if you surrender, you actually win. Isn't that cool? You actually win when you surrender your life uh, to him. And not only you but others win too. Check this out in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas miraculously escape uh, from prison and the jailer that's watching them sees all this happen and he says, what what do I got to do? What do I got to do to give my life to this? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. You and your household. Well, everyone in your home needs to make a decision to follow Jesus, Luke, Luke 14 actually talks about that. Something shifts spiritually in your home when the head of the house surrenders their life to Christ. This is the most important thing. And so do it today, guys, do it today. And you can do it with a simple prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sin, I'm all yours. Forgive me of my sin, I'm all yours. We have prayer partners that would love to pray with you after the service if you want to give your life to Christ. If you just can't find the words or just need more prayer, we would love to do that. It would be our greatest honor. What a huge start towards being the man that God has called you to be. The second trademark of a kingdom man is a kingdom man controls his emotions and passions. Here's what Galatians 5 actually says about this. Check this out. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. What are we trying to control? The desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. There is a war going on. And when the war says this, so that you are not able to do whatever you want, guys, you ever catch yourself, I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Warning, red flag, red alert, that is not what the Spirit wants to bring about in your life, but here's what he wants to bring about. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, other translations say kind, uh, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and say it with me, self-control, self-control. This is what God wants to bring about in your life. This is the character that he wants to build in you. Recently, we uh, traded in our minivan, so it was one of these situations where it was on its last leg, and then we drove it around for two more years after that. It was one of those situations. And so I don't know if you've had this, uh, but we, uh, we got a new car, new to us, not brand new, new to us. And I don't know if you've ever felt this, but when you step into a car for the first time and you haven't gotten one in a while, you feel like you step into the future, Like, it's just amazing, right? Like, uh, saved driver settings, like what? Like, lumbar support, and it can tell whether my wife is driving or whether I'm driving. What is that all about? Uh, I have cameras everywhere. Like, I hardly need to turn my head to do anything. There's a camera everywhere. And guys, you don't even need to calculate the miles per gallon anymore. It is amazing. And this is stuff pastors are just now finding out. Uh, It's so great. Uh, But you don't even have to do the math. The car does it for you. But there are a few things, if I'm honest, that my car does that I don't appreciate. For example, it seems that my car has an attitude problem, and I don't like it. So here's the situation. I'm driving along the road, and I just kind of lean on the white line, just lean. Actually, I just think about leaning on the white line, and my steering wheel, like, vibrates like it's angry at me, and then the, the dashboard flashes up the most snarky, underhanded insult ever, steering required. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Like, I don't know about you, but my man ears are like, hey, Dumbo, try driving. Like, that's the translation, that's what I hear. Has a little attitude problem, steering required. But I'm sure it's just a simple suggestion But when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, steering is required. Steering is required, that when I surrender to Jesus, I am to take a dukes of hazard wild U-turn away from my flesh and punch the gas toward the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit is trying to do in my life. Not a little slight, I'm just going to gradually get there. If you can, flip that thing around and go for it, because the Spirit has amazing things that he wants to bring about in your life. And some might say, you know, as we talk about emotion that a kingdom man needs to turn off his grit or he needs to turn off his adventure or his driven nature. And it's actually not that at all. A kingdom man simply takes all of that that God has created him to be and he throws it all at God. And he says, I am going in your direction with everything that you've created me to be, created me to be. And I can't talk about emotion and passion without talking about Peter. Uh, So Peter was a disciple of Jesus. He was hard-charging and rough around the edges. He was a act now, think later type of guy. Um, And in Matthew 18, Peter comes to Jesus with a question. I just love this. Then Peter came up and he said to him, Lord, how often, this is great, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And you know, Peter's been hanging out with Jesus for a little while. Some things have been rubbing off. And so he came up with just, the best secondary question, like really to impress Jesus, as many as seven times? Like for Peter, as you read his life and as you get to know him a little bit, seven was a stretch, okay? Like it was a huge stretch to even ask Jesus, should it be seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times, 77 times. So Peter, tear up your list of offenses, And you are gonna forgive more times than you can keep track of. And there's so much power in that. And so for all the times that we say to ourselves, I can't help but how I react to certain people. I can't help that. This verse actually says that's not true. This verse actually says that we have the power to choose. And I'll prove it to you. Have you ever uh, like gotten in an argument, like super frustrated with someone and then someone else comes into the picture and you're suddenly really nice to them? Has that ever happened to you? Like you're in the drive-thru and your kids are going crazy in the back. And you're like, just be quiet. All I want to do is take the order. And then you get up to the window and you are amazingly nice to the person uh, right there. Has that ever happened? Or uh, you're just, you're arguing at home. Somebody sends you a text message and you like send the sweetest little text back to them, like full of emojis and all kinds of great stuff. And has that ever happened? It's happened. And what does that prove to you? It proves to me that we have a power to choose. We have the power to choose whether or not we are going to uh, throw gas on our flesh or throw gas on the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives. We have the power to choose. And this is one of the earliest lessons that we even teach our kids. Uh, my kids will come up and say, um, so-and-so made me. And I was like, don't even finish the sentence. Don't even finish the sentence. You chose this. You chose this. And the same is true for us as adults. Check out what the Bible says about emotions that are out of control. Proverbs 22 says this, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways. It'll rub off and entangle yourself in a snare. Entangle yourself in a snare. That this is eye-opening moment that men, when we are out of control, we are actually setting snares, setting snares for those that we do life with, but we're called to more than that. Check this out in 1 Peter 3. This gets a little closer to home. 1 Peter says this, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives instead of out of control in an understanding way, showing honor to them as the weaker vessel, simply talking about physical strength. And since they are heirs with you in the grace of life, so that, check this out, so that your prayers may not be hindered. That's a really interesting verse. It's a really interesting verse. All of this, do all of these things, live in a godly way at home so that your prayers may not be hindered. A man's relationship with God, this is what it tells me, a man's relationship with God is hindered if he fails to live with his wife in a godly way. Wow, that your wife is created by God. And if your wife has given her life to Jesus, she is a daughter of the king, and it seems only right that God the Father would have something to say about how you treat her. And what happens if you mistreat her? So that your prayers will not be hindered. First Peter says live with her in an understanding and honoring way. What can you do today? As I think about emotions, as I think about uh, really uh, running toward the Spirit and what the Spirit wants to do in your life, I can't think of a better suggestion, men, today than for you to do life with other godly men. It is the number one thing. I can go along with other things and try this and try that and read this book or whatever, but there is nothing like doing life with other godly men. And at Lakeland, the best way to do that is to join an impact community. We have impact communities that guys guys are a part of that they run hard after the Bible and they know how to fire up the grills. And uh, they also know how to make a difference. And it is just the best of all things. I know when I show up in my guys group, I am drawn out and called up to everything that God wants me to be. It is amazing. And I encourage you, if that's been on the back burner or if this year ran away from you and you need to fire that back up again, get in an impact community, do life with other godly men. Here's a third trademark. A kingdom man serves and leads his family. A kingdom man serves and leads his family. Whenever I talk to guys that wanna do life God's way, this is a common question, and I'm glad that it is. How do I serve and lead my family? Thankfully, the Bible has something to say about this. Check this out in Ephesians chapter five. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. So husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You want an example of what it looks like uh, to love well? You want an example of what it looks like to lead and serve your family? Look at how Christ loved the church and model your life after that. Guys, this is the picture. This is what it looks like. Christ loved the church and gave himself up. And so if you're ever thinking to yourself, I feel like I'm giving myself up for my family, for my wife. I feel like I'm doing that. You're on the right track. There's a part of that that Jesus says, yes, that is exactly what I'm calling you to. Jesus also shared his life with his disciples and didn't skip over the topic of what spiritual leadership looks like. Check this out. Jesus called them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. There's a brutal sense of leadership. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Instead, whoever wants to become great. And I've talked to enough guys that this is really the echo of their heart. No matter what example you had, you want to be great at home. You want to be great as a husband. You want to be great as a father. Whoever wants to become great, listen up, among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For here, here's an example, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life, there it is again, as a ransom for Many. There's a ransom for many. Jesus is saying, You want to be great? Follow my example. Jesus didn't come to seek a position, although he could have. Jesus didn't come so that others would meet his needs, although he could have done that. Jesus came and he gave his life in service to others. And that's the kind of leadership he is looking for. Men, this is the kind of leader that we are called to be. So when guys ask, How? Like, how do I do this? I just want to give you a few steps in the right direction. How do I lead and serve at home? I would say two things. Number one, get a front row seat to the life of Jesus in the Bible. Get a front row seat to that. Read through one of the Gospels. I would suggest Mark. I think Mark is the easiest to read. He gets to the point, and it sounds like a podcast, uh, which is great. And Jesus is the best role model. Follow him, be like him, and here's the kicker. Share what you learn about him with your family. I think sometimes we over-spiritualize what it looks like to lead at home. As you read, as you come across a verse or a word, just share it with your family. Hey, here's what I read today, and I just want to share it with you. It could be as simple as that. The second way to live out serving and leading your family is is found in Proverbs 27. Really interesting verse. It says, be sure that you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. You're like, what in the world is that about? Here's what it's about, is that we need to, uh, as spiritual leaders, we need to be a constant student of every member of our family, uh, that we need to press in. And a a good shepherd does this. He checks on each and every one of his sheep for disease, for unhealth, for bugs, for all those things. He checks on them. And the same is true at home. Know the condition of your flock, the people that God has entrusted you with. So a kingdom man serves and leads his family. Here's the next trademark. A little quicker on these last two. A kingdom man provides for his family. A kingdom man provides for his family. Check out what the apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy when he talks about a man and his role as a provider. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If provision sounds like a big deal, it actually is. And um, it doesn't mean that we do it all, guys. It doesn't mean that we're the only ones to bring in income. It doesn't even guarantee that we're going to bring in the biggest paycheck all the time. But what it does mean is that we bear a unique and ultimate responsibility under God to make sure that our family's needs are met. And so practically, what does this look like? It could look like many things. It's looked like many things in my story. Early on in our marriage, it meant taking on several part-time jobs while going to school to bring in extra income. I believe that being a provider calls us to be five-star employees of the people that we work for. If you want to roll the dice on being a provider, uh, just stick it to every boss you work for and try to do as little as possible. I will guarantee that you will work You will work for many bosses along the way, uh, if that's your attitude. Be a five-star employee. Not only does that honor God, which I think is most important, but it positions you as a provider. In different seasons, a provider could mean uh, requesting a raise or making a job change altogether to bring in more income. Provision also, it's not just about the money we make, but it's also about the money that we spend. Job number one of a provider is to make sure that the first dollar's Go back to God. Uh, What a huge way to live out generosity and to teach generosity as early as possible. Can I just say that? That's a hard road to correct uh, if you don't get it as early as possible. Being a provider also means that we have to coach in our home about what it means to have a need and what it means to have a want. I'm going to play out a scenario that happens every day in my home. As my wife and I are just talking about things or talking about life, uh, we'll have a kid run in the room and say, there's only one hour left, and I have to get this key to unlock this level, and it only costs this much. Can I get it? And my questions are, is that a need? I don't think that's a need. I want to get that for you, but I don't think that's a need. And do you have any money to purchase that? Like, it's a really, really good question. And as a provider, this has actually been helpful for us, is that we provided a way for our kids just to earn a little bit of money, not an outrageous amount of money, earn a little bit of money that if they have the funds, they can get it. And if they don't, they don't get it. What a great money principle that is. Uh, It'll save them a lot of heartache in in the future. But being a provider sometimes calls us uh, to these things. Being a provider means working us toward never paying interest again, saying no to new debt and getting on a plan to get rid of debt altogether. Being a provider is also required for me to step up uh, what I would call preventative care around the house, Uh, that if I can fix something for $10 today, instead of it being thousands and thousands of dollars later, if I ignore it, I'm going to do it today. And it stretches my provision. And that's a big deal. Last thing about being a provider requires me to be sure that my family is taken care of if anything were to happen to me. I think this might be one of the greatest responsibilities of a provider, that if something were to happen to me, my family uh, would be taken care of because provision and wealth done God's way blesses future generations. And it should do that in your family as well. It's a big deal. And I hope you hear the invite to level up here. I'm constantly challenged by this hard-hitting verse in Proverbs chapter 6. Check this out. Go to the ant, you sluggard. I love when the Bible calls me names. You sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, check this out, and no overseer or ruler, and yet it stores its provision in the summer and gathers its food at harvest time. It's not doing life with other men. It's not coming on Father's Day to hear a message about what it means to be a kingdom man. It's not hearing any of that, and it automatically does all of these things. And so what an invite in this area. And if you need it, take notes from the ant because uh, they seem to have something figured out. Last trademark of a kingdom man. A kingdom man protects his family. A kingdom man protects his family. We've already talked about sacrifice and servant leadership required, but it's also protection. Check this out in 2 Thessalonians. It says, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. That the heart of God is actually not just faithfulness, not just being strong, but using that strength to protect his children. And if we want to be like God uh, to the people who matter most to us, uh, we will uh, protect them. And the word picture here in this verse is actually to protect like a hen protects her chicks. And guys, I'm not calling you a hen. You are a rooster, man, and you know it. You know it. Um, But it's just a a good word picture to think about what does protection look like. A couple months ago, a video went viral of a guy. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, This guy was headed to a birthday party, and uh, he was walking out to the car with his family, and he had a chocolate cake in one hand and he had a cup of coffee in the other, and he put those things on the hood, and as he was opening the door, he heard this scream from his wife on the other side of the car, and he came around the car real quick. I mean, sprinted into action. Uh, he, He went around the other side of the car, and he found a bobcat on his wife's back, almost like a backpack. Just snarling and growling and all that kind of stuff, and the, the video kind of goes out of frame for a little bit, uh, but what we see next is this guy who 's got this bobcat in a chokehold, almost like the undertaker would. everything comes back to wrestling, um, so almost like an undertaker would, and he body slams uh, this bobcat across the lawn or or yeeted. Can I put an E-D on yeeted? I don't really, is it yeet, yeeted, or whatever? Okay, so he body slams uh, this bobcat and the bobcat just runs away. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that just happened. I watched it a couple more times. It was that, it was that cool. Um, but I just think about, man, what a picture of protection. And if I could ask you to level up your commitment here, if I could stretch you in your commitment, I would say it's not just physical protection, although you're called to that but spiritual protection over your house. As I live life as a dad, I know lies are coming at my kids. I know uh, uh, lies about their identity are coming at them all the time. And I would say that an enemy, much like a rabid bobcat, is looking to devour my family and yours. And with spiritual protection, I'm going to grab hold of moment by moment to say that is not true. Let me tell you what's true. That is not true about you. Let me tell you who God says that you are. And if, guys, if you were looking for how in the world do I do all this, I would say do it moment by moment. Just steal the moments and use them for God. Here's what Deuteronomy chapter 6 says. I love this. Watch for it. He's stealing the moments and he's steering them towards God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God, men, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your Strength. These commandments I give you today are to be written on your hearts. Impress them on your children. How do I do that? Well, do it by talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. These are just everyday things. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I hope you're seeing this moment by moment. We're stealing these moments. And finding God in them, and we're spiritually protecting our family. When I think about all the things that the Bible says about being a godly man, uh, I would liken it to the first day of practice in high school, I don't know if you guys played sports, but I did, I played baseball, but it doesn't really matter the sport. You would show up for the first day of practice and we were convinced that the coach had one thing on his mind, one goal at the very end of that practice. It was to run as many conditioning drills as possible before you got sick. Like that that was the goal I think of every coach and we dreaded it. We just dreaded that first day of practice. But can I tell you that one of my favorite parts about playing sports, was the first day of practice, not as it was happening, but at the very end, when I could look at my teammates and say, we didn't quit on our coach and we didn't quit on our team, we didn't do it. And so guys, when I think about all that is in front of us, about what it means to be a godly man, men of Lakeland, imagine with me what God could do through a group of men who rallied together and didn't quit. I see strong families, I see confident kids, I see chains of addiction breaking. I see businesses at the top of their game. I see family trees repaired. I see legacies left. I see the church flourishing outside these walls and also inside these walls. And I see you and me. I see you and me no longer wondering if we have what it takes, but finding out what we're really made of. Guys, I'm in on that. And I invite you to be in on that. So take your first step and don't quit. We're gonna end our service in a really powerful way. I'm excited about this. I'm gonna invite a few guys out uh, who are gonna help me. And we're gonna pray a blessing over the men in this room. I'm so excited about that. So why don't you go ahead and stand uh, with me uh, as we pray and, and bless our guys And uh, I'm excited about this. We did this at Mother's Day, and it was so, so good. And so I brought out some prayer warriors uh, to lift you guys up. No matter where you are in this journey, I'll have you guys step a little closer here. Where you are in this journey, uh, God has an amazing blessing for you. And so if you have a man around you, young or old, if you have a man sitting in front of you, you can extend your hand in front of him. I want to do that right now, praying a blessing over our men. If you came with someone, if you see someone that didn't come with anyone, extend your hand out. We're going to say a blessing over our guys. I've asked Kent, who works in Lakeland Students. He's a hero in there. And uh, he's going to be praying a blessing over our young men. (laughs) Uh, Tim's going to pray a blessing over our guys in the middle, slugging it out whether you have kids at home or not. I know you're slugging it out, and I'm right there with you. We want to pray a a blessing over you. And Mike is going to pray a blessing over our empty nesters, our fathers of the house. And I'm so excited about this. So let's pray together. We're
2: going to start out. We're going to pray for the young men in the room. And Lord, we just thank you for the young men in the room here. Lord, we just thank you that when it comes to a relationship with you, Lord, Lord, when we accept Jesus into our heart, age doesn't matter, Lord, and our power is limitless, so we just declare that over these young men, Lord, we just declare kingdom work and kingdom duty over these men, and Lord, we just pray that they can just have opportunity upon opportunity uh, to just share your love with others, Lord. Lord, in Ephesians, Paul talks to us about the armor of God, and Lord, I just Pray and equip all these young men with the armor of God, Lord. We just thank you for their desire to lo- to love you and to know you, Lord.
0: Father God, thank you that you are our Daddy and the men in the middle, slugging it out with the battle. I pr- I, I feel like God wants to heal your minds today. That. There needs to be a rewiring of your minds. And in, in Romans, it talks about not conforming to the standards of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do we do that? Through your work. Yes. And God, I, I just pray that you put a fire in, the, in young men's bellies for your word, whether that be a verse, whether that be a scripture, whatever that is, to surrender to you and to your word, and to be still in that, and to find time for that, so that we can go out and battle with the mind of Christ, which is found in your word. And so for those of you that, that know the Lord, you have the mind of Christ and you have a tool in the word of God yes. that will lead you in that to battle for your families, for your marriages, for your businesses, for your jobs, for, for anything in your life. Yes, And I encourage you to surrender to him and to that. In Jesus' name.
2: Father in heaven, we bow before you and we look to you as the author of life and the one who uh, has named every family both in heaven and on earth. We ask you to anoint us as men yes. for the purpose of extending your fatherhood yes. into our lives in yes. the lives of our families generation after generation after generation we pray lord that you would anoint us that uh, this very moment to do your bidding in our families to touch our sons and daughters and their children and their children's children with the message of how much you love us let us be emissaries let us be your ambassadors to be able to extend that love throughout generation after generation. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer and our heart cry. In Jesus' name we pray,
1: amen. Amen, can we celebrate that together? Men, be blessed, today's your day. God has great plans for you. If you need prayer, both online or in the room, we've got uh, people would love to do that. If you want to give, we have opportunities to do that online and in the room. Hey, have a great Father's Day. We love you guys. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.